0: welcome to rs equity the podcast on all things law and technology i'm tima
1: i'm paul and on this episode if you've got nothing to hide you've got nothing to fear.
0: welcome to a brand new series on the podcast this is the surveillance series you know, I always see this meme or this joke online where people basically say, oh, the FBI agent is watching me through my webcam or the FBI is reading my messages. Or there's this great meme with someone dancing, right? And they're like, um, me performing for the FBI agents in my computer. <laughs>
1: yeah, and people are reacting to this in a way that they say, yeah, the NSA doesn't care about me, like, I'm not interested enough. And even if they did, like, I, I, I don't care. But at the same time, you know, if someone were watching through my window, I would be weirded Uh, up. Definitely.
0: I would definitely care. I would care. Exactly. So we thought it would be really interesting to dive into this whole idea of surveillance. And we thought it would be interesting to have a look at to what extent is it actually true? To what extent are law enforcement agencies, government bodies, security agencies, to what extent are they watching us? To what extent are they monitoring our online activities?
1: So we want to look at state surveillance so not privacy concerns with, you know, private platforms like, you know, all the social media sites and so on. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we want to investigate uh, whether this is true that they are watching us. At the same time, we don't have all the information because most of this programs are secret and we, we've seen with the Snowden revelations that, you know, most of this isn't public. So mm. we are basing this on the law uh, and we are basing this on publicly informa- available information. So let's go back to the question we posed in the intro. Is it true that if you've got nothing to hide, you've got nothing to fear?
0: I think it's first we everyone needs to understand that whether you have something to hide or not, mm-hmm. you still have certain rights, mm-hmm. right? Just by virtue of being a human being, by, by virtue of being a citizen of a country, you have the rights to privacy, you have the rights to protection of your personal data. So even though you might have something to hide, mm-hmm. you still have fundamental rights.
1: Yeah, and even if I'm not doing anything wrong, I still have, A, the right to privacy and not to be you know, watched and, and, and surveilled. And on the other hand, uh, it doesn't mean necessarily that I'm, I'm doing something wrong if I if, if want to keep something secret.
0: Exactly. So we all have the right to be able to be private about certain things and to essentially want a certain level of privacy. However, not all forms of surveillance is illegal, right? So surveillance mm. can be provided by law where it's necessary and proportionate, which is why we thought it was important to pose this question and to start this series and kind of explore how, when, why, legal, um, governmental entities, law enforcement is able to surveil us and look deeper into our online activities.
1: Yeah, so it's always a balancing act between, you know, the interest of the state in, you know, watching people and sometimes preventing crime or or, um, investigating crime on the one hand, and on the other hand, the privacy of people. Um, So, what really got us into the whole debate uh, was a memo that was leaked by the European Union, right?
0: Right. So, um, really interesting, this memo was leaked in November 2020. And essentially, it's a memo from the Council of the European Union, and there was some sort of council resolution. And what was being discussed was the challenges that end-to-end encryption places on law enforcement and public authorities and the need to kind of create a better balance between making sure that law enforcement can do their job and can watch the people that they need to watch and also giving effect to fundamental rights, privacy and security and so on.
1: So this really led to a lot of media attention and it was titled the encryption ban Mm -hmm. because um, it really targeted encrypted communication. Uh, that at the moment is treated kind of differently.
0: Okay, right. so Paul, for those of us who yeah. are listening to this podcast, like what the hell is encryption? Can you, explain, <laughs> can you explain to us what encryption is and why is it such a big deal?
1: So essentially it's how most of the internet works and keeps uh, communication secure. So if you're lo- looking uh, at your online banking, for example, and you have to communicate securely with your bank and nobody in the middle should you know, get your access data or should get this private information. Uh, And the way this is done, um, and the same is true, for example, for for WhatsApp and and other, um, you know, online messages uh, where your messages are encrypted so nobody can read this. Mm. Um, So how this works is that on your device, it gets encrypted. So that means nobody can read it. Uh, It gets sent to, for example, the recipient of your message where and only there it can get decrypted and can be read. Uh, And everybody in the middle can't have access to this.
0: Okay, so the layman's definition is just it's the process of encoding a file or a message or something so that when it's being transmitted from one device to another, Mm. it can't be read.
1: Exactly. And this poses a problem for law enforcement because they are used to being able to access calls and text messages when it is needed. So mostly they need a court order, for example. Um, but then the telecom provider has to provide police with access to your communications. Now, with encryption, they can't do that because they don't have the key, uh, only the recipient and the sender has the key.
0: Right, so then it becomes an issue of how do are they able to intercept these conversations, how are they able to decrypt these conversations to get the information that they need as law enforcement.
1: Right, and, you know, it's it's it's... Reasonable, because why should people using WhatsApp calls be more protected or Skype calls be more protected than people who use traditional cell phone calls?
0: But also, on the other hand, it becomes problematic because you might have a government that is a little bit on the totalitarian Mm. side or a dictatorship style government, and they might want to decrypt messages to ensure that people are not able to organize, people are not able to protest, people are not able to go against certain things that the government does. So it could be a way to stifle you know, democracy or stifle right, freedom of right. speech or whatever.
1: Also, it's, it's a simple security issue. Um, so hackers also don't like encryption because it makes it hard to get data. Um, so using encryption is also a security question. Um, and, and this is why this led to some outcry, because the EU, what it essentially does, and the U.S. is quite similar in, in, in their uh, program, is that it wants to force telecom providers or service providers to provide law enforcement with access to these messages.
0: Yeah, so I mean, like you were saying, in June 2020, U.S. senators introduced what's called the law Enforce- Lawful Access to Encrypted Data Act. And if this act is passed, it will essentially do exactly that. It will require companies operating in the U.S., to grant access to encrypted data when law enforcement obviously requests it through a court order or something like that. And experts and academics in the field are really concerned that this will constitute like an outright ban on end-to-end encryption um, in online services. Like they feel like this is the first step towards an outright ban in end-to-end encryption or a ban on the sale of encrypted devices that mm. cannot be decrypted by law enforcement. Yeah, and it's
1: uh, a technical challenge, really. Because, you know, governments just say, give us the data and give us access to this. But um, to achieve this technically, uh, there are different ways to do this. Uh, the EU and and the US uh, at the moment are operating via back doors. So this is their plan. And, you know, this is the information that we have publicly available. You yeah. don't really, don't know, really what know what is going, going on, on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, behind closed doors. Oh, this what can has all already
0: be... been going on. Right.
1: Um so what they want is essentially a third key so not just that the sender and the recipient can decrypt the message but law enforcement can also get this under you know certain circumstances you know terrorism prevention and and investigation of crimes and so on Um now this has the advantage of you know granting access on the other hand this back door could also be used by uh, third parties that aren't authorized so for example um, the companies that are that are using um, or that are providing the service so you know whatsapp reading your messages mm. or or hackers invading your privacy
0: so essentially it could just be a slippery slope you know what i mean to, mm-hmm. to kind of limit the the security levels on these applications could be a slippery Mm -hmm. slope. So not just law enforcement having access, but hackers, the service provider itself having access. Mm -hmm. It could just be like a snowball effect. Yeah. And
1: you're purposefully making a product less secure.
0: Exactly. Which goes completely against what regulators have been trying to establish in the area of data protection, privacy and security Mm -hmm. all of Mm -hmm. these years. It's like a regression, in my opinion. Yeah.
1: Uh, the other way to do this is to outright ban encryption, uh, and and this like kind of leads to this because um, if if you ban if if you force service providers to provide a backdoor, uh, criminals will probably you know use a service provider that does isn't obliged to do this because they're for example operating in a foreign country, mm-hmm. or people will you know the technology isn't that hard to use just build something themselves or send already encrypted files um, to to, um, circumvent this this ban. Mm. So the next step to this would be to to ban encryption outright and to ban everything that uses um, encryption, which obviously is even a a bigger problem and even less secure, more extreme. Uh, A third way, and this was the way that Austria tried uh, a couple of years ago, was to uh, access data before it is encrypted or after it's decrypted on the um, on your device so before you can actually read the message obviously but it's
0: that would decrypted. require access to your device
1: then right that there, there needs to be some way uh, to install some software shady <laughs> yeah on on my device and it's probably going to be you know vulnerabilities mm. that the producers of the software don't know about, and the state has to get somehow, nobody knows how, probably pay hackers to do this, um, and, and then they don't warn the citizens, or don't warn the, the producers, the companies, but instead exploit this themselves, mm. which also is, is Highly problematic. Yeah. So this, this was the approach in Austria, nobody really know, knew how it would work. And in the end, it was declared unconstitutional because...
0: Rightly so. (laughs) (laughs) uh,
1: It it grants you so much access to to someone's phone because um, there's a difference between listening to someone's phone calls and having access to everything that is stored on your phone. Exactly. It takes it one step too far, um,
0: having access to the entire device.
1: Right. So um, this is why this was struck down, but it was still an approach.
0: Interesting. I think what's interesting is that um, we have organizations or bodies like the eu and the u.s senate coming up with these ideas and trying to draft legislation in this and that area and there are lots of countries where on a national level Mm -hmm. this has been the case for a while Mm -hmm. so while we're having these international level conversations i thought it would be interesting to find a few african examples where surveillance is already a part of the law and has been a part of the law for a while and decryption or bans on encryption has been a part of the legal framework for a while. So, yeah, let's have a look at South Africa. South Africa is an interesting example. One, because South Africa has a really strong constitution which really upholds personal um, rights, the right to privacy and protection, data protection, things like that are quite strong and important rights in the South African constitution. However, South African law has made way for surveillance and has made way for a semi-ban on encryption. So we have this uh, regulation called the Regulation of Interception of Communications and Provision of Communication-Related Information Act. It's a mouthful.
1: It's a lot of Asians. It's
0: It's a lot of Asians, right? So essentially what this act does is... It grants law enforcement and security agencies the power to access your communications and the power to require telecommunications providers to provide law enforcement with information upon request. So also what the act does is it makes it illegal to sell encryption related products or devices that are encrypted in such a way that there is no means of decrypting the data.
1: So this is essentially the backdoor option.
0: Right. So if your device does not offer a backdoor option to law enforcement, it cannot be legally sold mm-hmm. or used in South Africa.
1: And and how does this work? Like do you know, normal messages work?
0: Yeah, normal messages work. So it's like like I said, it's not an outright ban on encryption because mm-hmm. we have WhatsApp and WhatsApp mm-hmm. has end to end end to end encryption. So normal messages work, but I guess in the south african context if south african law enforcement was to go to whatsapp and say listen we have a court order that requires you to decrypt certain data for us whatsapp would be compelled to do that under this act
1: i mean this is interesting simply because um we don't really know the reach of this because does whatsapp in this case just say no we don't because we're not a south african company and you can't do anything against us Or does WhatsApp already have a backdoor in everyone's communication? in case they are, provide, they are relevant to South African law enforcement.
0: Exactly. So we wouldn't know because the Act says that telecommunications service providers providing services in South Africa. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't necessarily say you have to be a South African company for them mm-hmm. to request this from you. So essentially how it will work in practice is the law enforcement agency will obviously collect whatever evidence that they have to, to prove to the court that they really need to intercept this communication or they really need to decrypt messages from so-and-so device, right? Mm -hmm. Then the court will give what is called an interception direction, Mm -hmm. which is essentially a court order that authorizes law enforcement agencies to access your messages or to get your messages decrypted then law enforcement agencies will serve this order on your serv- on the service provider, the relevant service provider. Mm. So it could be Vodacom if it's your text messages or WhatsApp if it's your WhatsApp messages. And then that service provider, therefore, is required by law to give law enforcement whatever information it is that they are requiring. Mm. What's interesting is that there are some circumstances where law enforcement agencies don't need authorization from the court initially before they get the information right Mm -hmm. so if the interception is necessary to prevent impeding serious bodily harm or if it's necessary in the case of an emergency Mm -hmm. to determine a person's whereabouts Mm -hmm. then law enforcement agency can simply go directly to the service provider Mm -hmm. and say listen we need so-and-so's location data or we need this information decrypted and then later on, they mm-hmm, take all mm-hmm. that evidence to court and then the court kind of authorizes it after the fact.
1: Okay, so this is similar to uh, other provisions of, of, or competences of law enforcement, um authorities yeah like searches in in your house exactly
0: so it's it's kind of exactly it's kind of like a search and seizure warrant type of Mm -hmm. thing um but what's interesting what i found interesting is the the law doesn't really specify what law enforcement agency we're talking about like are we talking about the everyday police officer on the Mm -hmm. street or are we talking about you know specialized security agencies you know what i mean it's kind of Mm -hmm. very it's very broad. It just keeps saying law enforcement, law enforcement. And that could be anyone. And
1: it's not limited to any crimes. Like no. Terrorism, but you know, it could be your day to day. Yeah. It could drug be day to day crime.
0: Yeah. So anything that could cause serious bodily harm, anything that could be necessary to determine the whereabouts of a person, mm-hmm. that could be any crime. Mm-hmm. So it's very broad and it gives a lot of power to law enforcement agencies, in my opinion, especially the section that says you can get a, uh, court order after the fact
1: yeah and and i also think that once the encryption uh, the backdoor is in the encryption it's less secure for everyone
0: exactly so it's like it's very interesting but south africa is not the most extreme example Mm -hmm. so um i i saw the study and i forget who did the study but we will put it in the description below but this study kind of ranked countries right so based on the encryption laws it may put um, countries in red yellow green Mm -hmm. and south africa was in the yellow region because it's kind of like a semi-encryption ban but the government is not saying you can't have encrypted devices the government Mm -hmm. is not saying you can't provide encrypted products in south africa they're just saying we have to have a way to get Mm -hmm. in and see what we need to see if we need to do it But Egypt, on the other hand, is totally in the red category because essentially what they have is what amounts to a ban on encryption. So the way it works in Egypt is that the use of encryption is subject to the authorization of several government entities, including the armed forces, the national securities entities, and some long telecom regulator, something or another. It's, it's
1: just ridiculous. It's
0: it's really crazy, and I we're not going to say we're experts on Egyptian <laughs> So If anyone is, let us know if we're correct. But this is what we have read from the law on the on the face of it, right? So essentially, these agencies give what is a license. To provide encrypted products in egypt and if you don't get this license then you're not able to encrypt your encrypt your products or provide encrypted products in egypt and yeah it's crazy because whatsapp calls apparently don't work in egypt Mm -hmm. without a vpn skype calls don't work in egypt without a vpn and in 2016 the government blocked and censored access to signal which we talked about mm-hmm. in the last episode has mm-hmm. really high encryption and privacy measures.
1: I mean, the key word in here is uh, without a VPN, because this True. is this this uh, like see the absurdity of all of this is that you can like the technology is out there and you can still use it if if you just want to. Yeah. And essentially, what this leads to is just criminals using encryption Mm. so the standard for everyone for the law-abiding citizen being lowered because they can't use encryption uh and the ones that really have something to hide um those that can't just use the technology and law enforcement can't do anything about this because they can't access it
0: yeah and also the the nonsensical nature of the law as you said is that signal was able to deploy some censorship circumvention technology, mm-hmm. and it allowed people to still be able to access Signal in that time where it was, uh, where it was blocked by the government. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like you are encroaching on rights, but technology has developed in such a way that there's always a way around it. You know, you can always use a VPN. There's always something else that can be done, and you can always still deploy illegally encryption measures, even though the government has said you cannot.
1: Yeah, and and this you know hurts normal citizens Mm. and and doesn't really affect criminals
0: exactly because criminals will always find a way but the rest of us will be left with our privacy and our data protection levels or security being lowered in an attempt to in an attempt to address criminals who most likely will be able to circumvent the law regardless
1: so Bottom line here is encryption bans are problematic yes. and that this is a really difficult balancing act between security interests that a state may have and and law enforcement on the one hand and the privacy of citizens.
0: I think so. And I think it would be interesting to see how this develops in mm-hmm. the US and in Europe. And it will be interesting to say, to see how they're able to perhaps strike that balance or if this is something that they'll end up giving up on and realizing that what you what you stand to lose in terms of privacy, you don't stand to gain that much in terms of catching criminals.
1: Mm-hmm. I think this is a really good bottom line here. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode of RCQ. We have a really interesting series with really interesting guests coming up uh, on this whole surveillance law topic. So we hope you stay tuned and listen to our next episode. Our weekly is hosted by Tima Anwana and me, Paul Iberstaler. We are brought to you by the Department of Innovation and Digitalization in Law at the University of Vienna.
0: Thank you for listening and see you next time.